When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is an Unspoiled Network podcast. This is Unspoiled, covering The Dark Tower, Book 4, Wizard and Glass, Part 3, Chapter 6, Closing the Year. In this episode, Natasha regrets saying they should only cover one chapter. Welcome to Unspoiled. It's just like, you know, it ends before anything really gets going. It's like taking a huge inhale and never exhaling. Yeah, that's why I, I was a little bit, you know, uh, of a divided mind when we talked about that. It's a but, long chapter, so I understand why you made the call that you did. Yeah. And I don't really think it was even the wrong call because I'm not sure that I want to read for like a straight hour and a half every time. But yeah, it just like... As usual, with this middle part of this book, he just spends like pages and pages and pages setting up the fucking atmosphere. And I'm like, yeah. yo, we fucking get it, dude. It's fall. <laughs> but they were closing, closing the year, Natasha. Oh, my God. And there's like certain little things like, you know, the fact that there's like the the kissing. What are they calling it? Like the fair day, end of year kisses. The fin de kisses. 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 Yeah. Um, but nobody's actually fucking, but like, that's what a sentence. We don't need this whole rigmarole. And, um, apparently people are like burning their, uh, their, what do they call them? Stuffy men? Stuffy guys. Which are the, um, scarecrows. And I really expected somewhere for wherever Susan and Roland were fucking for her to just burst into flames. Because it really seemed like Cordelia was channeling some shit when she threw that on the fire. Yeah. But no, um, it's just a, it's just her being real mad. I, yeah. So like I said, just felt like a big inhale and not a whole lot of exhale because not only is it a, a, a setup, but we don't know anybody's plans really. So it's not even like the kind of setup where you can 
you can't even really follow along with what they're doing because you're not entirely sure how this is going to work. Like when they are planting the uh, gunpowder and explosives and everything, is this something that I should know how this is going to play out or what they, because I don't remember them talking about this thing with fireworks at all. No, you're not supposed to know the plan as far as, as far as I recall. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of like hard to really get excited about it beyond just, Oh, I wonder what that is because I can't even develop any theories or be like, Ooh, I can't wait to see mostly because I know that they have already been hoodwinked and that things aren't going to play out the way that they're intending. And also because I don't have any idea how they want this to go in the first place. So I can't even go, well, I bet they want to do this, but it's going to end up like this because I got no nothing to go off <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's uh, like I said, I was I was debating, but it's because it is a somewhat frustrating chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I will merely say that next week we'll make it up to you. I'm not mad at it. I don't want anybody yeah. to think that I'm like, you know, pissed off. It's just I think that this section of this book isn't the best for the format that I'm doing with unspoiled. No, 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 most certainly not. Well, what was the most interesting thing? Um, the most interesting was probably, um, Thorin's wife going to see him in his sleep. Mm -hmm. That was so like sweet and sad and terrible, you know, like, And it's just the kind of thing that I have not, because of the age that I am, I have not seen many women go through this personally, Mm -hmm. but it's something that does just happen so often that you hear about. It just, it's just so frustrating that when women age and this whole, like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not even just that it's a construct or that it's like, you know, considered more accepted. It's an actual physical thing that happens to women because when you go through menopause, your body physically changes externally and internally. Mm -hmm. And many of the characteristics that are associated with being desirable and beautiful are characteristics that indicate fertility, like full lips and yeah. full breasts and when you go through menopause your lips thin and your breasts deflate and your body stops have even if you like had a an hourglass figure your entire life that goes away a little bit and you just cannot control that no matter what amount of weight you lose that's not really what it's about and men just don't have anything like that that happens to them not so much So it's like, it feels so unfair that men can not only count on, if they take care of themselves, continuing to look somewhat decent or at least maintain their looks for much longer than women. And also, they can still have children much later also, which is like part of the, you know, part of the excuse, let's be honest, with men having young women in their lives, especially in an era where like having children was partially a status symbol. Um, so it's just really frustrating that this is, 
it's something that I wish that I could just say like, oh, well, we're, we're conditioned to, to think that women aren't as beautiful when they're older. And it's certainly part, like, I'm not going to deny that conditioning is a part of it, but Mm -hmm. you're, there is just a physical change that's simply unavoidable and you can stave it off with hormone therapy and stuff. A lot of women do that, but, um, it's, it takes money, you know, that's why women who are rich tend to just for some mysterious reason continue to look better than broke women who get older Mm. it's not a mystery it's that they can pay to look better so i just you know this whole thing where it's like she goes to see him he is asleep and even in his sleep kind of wriggles to get away from her in this unconscious way that i'm not sure if it means anything or not but she sort of feels like it does and then he reaches out and takes her hand. And this is how he used to interact with her. He used to hold her hand before he started looking at all of the servant girls and everything. Mm-hmm. So she is hoping initially that he'll wake up because she climbs into bed with him. But when he does this, then she decides that it's better that he not wake up so that she can just lay there with him holding her hand and pretend that everything is okay and like it was just for the night mm-hmm. and then she wakes up and uh it's almost dawn and she gets up out of bed before he finds her there because it wouldn't be, it wouldn't do which is like the worst the worst yeah i don't i'm not sure she wants i mean i guess she does want him to wake up yeah but i mean she, she said... it says that she's like hoping that he will but she doesn't want to be the one to do it yeah, true. She 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 doesn't dare to. Mm-hmm. And she says if she does wake then I'll take it as a sign and I'll tell you tell him about this dream that I had. Yeah. Um, which is a pretty fucked up dream. Right. But um interesting. I've, I I I like that that's kind of the the part that that stands out to you the most of this chapter is the one you like. So I think that's the I think that's the piece of this chapter that's like kind of it's the most forbidding because of what she's dreaming mm-hmm. but it's also just like i don't know it kind of maybe it connects with the reader a little bit because she doesn't know what she's talking about like she knows something is going to happen mm-hmm. or she suspects anyway she dreamed something was going to happen she can't talk about it because thorn's asleep hard is asleep and she doesn't know what it means or she, she has no idea about anything as mm-hmm. far as we know, you know, which is kind of like, like us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we know something's coming. We know something's going down. We have a little bit of an idea about what, like, at least who it involves, but as far as what's going to happen, you know, no, no clue. Yeah. And so it's a little bit of, um, just like a little bit of connection with someone who is not in on any plots, mm-hmm. but who still gets the feeling. Yeah, and it was, I think, partially, too, it's just, like, she's somebody that I've sympathized with so immediately, but we really haven't seen much from her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, uh, I have to, like, when we first read Coral Thorin's thing with her drinking and wondering if anybody notices, Mm. I was mistakenly thinking that that was his wife. I got them mixed up. And I was like, well, that makes sense. You know, like, yeah, she would be drinking until she, like, goes downstairs and everything. And then I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This is the whorehouse. That doesn't Sister, work. Yeah. Um, 
so I had like, you know, kind of created this idea of how she would cope with it based on something that wasn't actually even like, I, it was just me making a mistake. Mm-hmm. And that got me to wondering how she was coping with it and what she was doing. Um, and also I think part of why I'm like interested is just, I'm getting older. I'm 32. I'm um about 10 years away from the, the time of life where I will start, just start feeling different. And um, my mom's going through menopause right now. I have some close, close friends who are just starting. And it just makes you, because it's something I think I've mentioned on the show before that I always like, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really think about what it's like to get older because you assume that once you start to get older, you are ready for it. Like I always thought when I started to age that I would be like, kind of prepared and resigned for it because this is what's happening now. And I've lived my life to up to this point in a certain way. And now I'm preparing to change it, but that's not how it works. You don't know that you're aging until your body reminds you because your brain is still 22. And Mm. so I'm like just really feeling this, like at this time of my life, the very beginning twinges of like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I can't like jump into Zumba class and walk out unscathed and just bounce back the next day. My mm-hmm. hip hurts when I get out of the car now, <laughs> you know, like things like this where I'm like, yeah, it's it's different now. And it just really makes me stop and go, I wish that I had really appreciated how much I it, youth is wasted on the young, you know, the oldest thing. Oh yeah. So I yeah. think that's part of why I just took an interest in her too, because it's just, it's women of this age are just not written about that often. And they don't become like characters that we get excited to read about. It's often young people. And if it is somebody of this age, it's often a man. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of interesting to see. And I like that later on, there's a point where he's talking about like Thorne being positioned between the two of them, her and Susan mm-hmm. and how much of a like ridiculous farce it is that they are each sitting on either side of him and cutting cake and serving tea and accepting compliments for food that they had no hand in preparing. Right. And, um, I don't know. So it's just like this sort of this melancholy thing that I was just like, yeah, you know, I'm not there yet, but I'm starting to understand it. And I'm starting to get, you know, as much as I know, Owen is into older women and he still thinks Sigourney Weaver is the hottest fucking thing on two legs. (laughs) I, uh, it does, it does start to like creep up on me realizing that even if I like got into great shape and everything, I there is a time limit on that for me now and there will come a point where I'm going to be around women that I'm worried about him finding more attractive than me and there is not really a solution to that you just kind of have to like trust the person and either be okay with it or be okay with not being okay with it um it's just a strange place to be and it's no, just I mean, you, you know not really it's not really the, per- the same for guys so you gotta trust a person until they 
prove themselves unworthy of the trust, mm -hmm. I suppose. And then you stop trusting them and you, you know, and then you go from there. But, um, anyway, so yeah, fair I, enough. I found her to be like sort of uh, morbidly fascinating because of that and just re relatable in this way that's like really melancholy. Um, yeah, but yeah, all right, well. Um, Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Miles. I'm Natasha. <laughs> What's up? Let me talk about my change of life. Um, so, uh, if you don't mind, let's let's go back to the beginning a little bit. Yeah, let's do this. We talked a little bit about the the f closing the year celebrations that he starts with. Uh, that cover, I believe, looks like a full three pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first it part of the sure chapter. Sure is. I think that's uh, it's about all we need to say about that. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's fall, guys. Yeah, it's fall. People are doing fall stuff. Yep, they Picking are. Picking apples, drying um, meat, canning things. Yeah, they're uh, burning these stuffy guys <laughs> on the fires. It sounds uh, like they're like getting all of the nerds out of the library and setting them on fire. The stuffy guys. I'm burning the, the stuffy guys. <laughs> Everybody who doesn't come to the dance, we're gonna light on fire. Bunch of squares. <laughs> um, so then we we briefly have Coral uh, talking to Shimi. Coral is in a great mood uh, because, as as she puts it, Eldred Jonas had no use for Fiendeano abstinence, and for a man with a bad leg, he could be very inventive. Bless him. Yeah. Uh, so Shimi is going up to Seafront to the mayor's house, uh, with a bunch of graph mm -hmm. and, uh, he goes and meets, uh, Susan there. Yeah. And I really just love that Shimi is like, you know, he's a little slow, but he isn't slow, like unreliable. He has his shit together and is keeping an eye out to make sure he isn't being watched and everything. And I'm just like yeah. continuously delighted at how how involved he is in all of this it worries me don't get me wrong i'm sure that i will not be delighted at some point that he was involved but there's something nice about a character who is written as being mentally disabled in some way but not written as an idiot because yeah that is a very easy thing to do as an author i know? love the bit where he's like where he's talking to miguel who's tasting the the stuff that he's brought mm-hmm and he says, tasty as a pasty, ain't it? Good old Miguel, been here a thousand years. Oh, my God. It's like, damn, dude. Right? <laughs> He's just throwing a little bit of shade over here. I'm just bit like. Of a bit of a burn. Yep. Um, so, yeah, they're using these empty graph barrels to hide a bunch of fireworks. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, well, what the fuck is that about, man? I'm hoping that somehow... The guys have figured out that they were being tricked, but they don't say anything about it. But at the same time, we heard them talk about their plan and we never heard anything about this. So they could be talking well, about stuff that I don't know about. We do know that Roland wants to lead them into the thinny, right? Right. Yes. That's, we do know that's that. That's something they did discuss. But yes. that's, that's about all we know. Right. And that they're going to do it on, you know, on Reap Night. Right, which because we know they figure... that they're going, the other group is going to take care of the shit early, so. 
Right. So, yeah. Uh, so, let's see. Put all the fireworks in the empty barrel, and Shimi's going to take him back to the barcade to, to Cuthbert. Mm-hmm. Um, he asks her for a kiss, which is kind of adorable. Yep. And he um, turns bright red. Yep. And then uh, we got a, a little bit with Reynolds going out to sit go, um, just kind of to make sure that everything's okay and make sure we know that if the kids come out there, they're gonna die. Mm-hmm. I think that's it's about all there is for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go to Rhea, and Yo, this is kind of fucked up. Yo. Yeah. Yeah. Rhea has gone so bad that her own cat is like, you know what? Hard pass. <laughs> well, she's stopped going to the bathroom. She's been pissing and shitting herself, oh. staring staring at the ball all fucking day long. She has the... She stitched the snake's head back on and hung it around her neck and is just yeah. leaving it there to rot. Yeah. She's leaving herself to rot. Yeah, she's not doing it because the ball has suddenly like decided that she can use it whenever she wants to mm-hmm. all day long without even like gesturing or anything. Mm-hmm. She just looks into it and she sees all this shit. Um, and I really love the detail that he's like, it, start, it was starting to take basically her life force and she didn't know it. But even if she did, she'd probably have been fine with it. Like she would have thought yeah. that it was a fair trade. Which is a pretty fucked up place to be, you know. Like, yeah, I I love that he actually like shares, but even if she if she knew, it wouldn't really bother her. Maybe like, which is, you know, thinking that it's her life force is being taken without her knowledge, and that it's like a problem for her gives you a little bit of a sense of like justice, but framing it as yeah, but she's fine with that. Totally takes the like delight out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. So adding that really sort of just undercuts the whole like sense of satisfaction that I was tempted to have. Yeah, I can see that. And she's seeing some weird shit. Um, there's there's a lot of detail in that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the worst one is probably Sheb the piano player licking the seat of the chair where his favorite whore had sat for a while. Oh my god. Although the boys masturbating to their undressed sisters is pretty bad too. Yeah. Um but I, I, then there's the the maid spitting into a pillowcase which I kind of loved. Yeah, I enjoyed that one in particular just because like I guess it just dries before the end of the day. So it's sort of a weird <laughs> like I it's just kind of a slow burn, you know, cuz it takes a while. I'm sure they're making the beds like early in the day and so um, but it's never something that I've thought of spitting in somebody's food, but spitting into a pillowcase. I mean, all right. Oh God. I have a little bit of a story. It's very short. Um, okay. <laughs> when <laughs> I worked at, I worked at Saybrook point in, and spa in Connecticut, which was this, you know, resort in old Saybrook that was for rich bitches. And the owners of the place were, like a pure nightmare. They were the kind of people that the owner's wife had never worked a day in her life. And it made her completely unaware of what a troll she was when it came to like dealing with other people. 
and she would often like have the um bell bellhop staff come to their apartment which was across the street from the resort they had a house but there was also like their summer apartment across the street from the resort and she would have the bellhops vacuum and like tidy up even though it was totally not our jobs because i was front desk for a, i was bellhop for a bit and then i went to the front desk so uh, I got roped into that a couple times and felt very resentful of it because it was totally outside of my actual like job description. And of course she didn't tip. So I was missing out on tips by being dragged over there and not being allowed to help guests. So one of my coworkers who shall remain nameless, um, <laughs> he hated her. Like, I also hated her, but his hatred for her was special. Like it was okay. just, it was a, a thing that had its own life. And right before he left the job forever, she wanted him to go and take care of some vacuuming in the house. And he went to their house and pissed on their couch pillow and then turned it over. Wow. And just left it there. And when I talked to him later, because he still lived in the neighborhood, so I saw him occasionally even after he left the job, he confessed that that was not the only time that he had done that. So, okay. Right? <laughs> be advised, public at large. Yep. So, yeah. Just, you know, be nice to fucking people. That's all. Just be nice to people. No guarantees that this shit won't still happen because somebody could think that you were a dick to them even if you weren't, even if you're trying your best to be nice to somebody. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was the kind of thing that I'm not real into petty stuff like that a lot of the time. Like I understand where where people are coming from with it, but a lot of times I feel like it's just kind of awful. But this was an instance where I was just cackling and loved it because she was the worst. <laughs> So, yeah. Anyway. Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah. Spitting into pillow compared to that doesn't seem so bad now. Seems somewhat tame. Um, Not so much, yeah. Yeah, that um, that licking the seat. Oh, man. <laughs> Dudes are so gross. Yeah, we are. Oh, God. Um, um, sorry, so we then, both ummed at exactly the same moment. Always a sign of a good podcast. Um. <laughs> So then we go to another scene that I believe you, you mentioned on Facebook shortly after reading it. Because Stephen King... He fucking can't his, help himself. And his damn dogs. He can't... I I dare anybody out there, because I'm not going to read every Stephen King book ever written, but if there are any uh, Kingheads out there who are really into his work and have read like tons of his stuff... Find me a book that this doesn't happen in. Because this scene is a bunch of kids stuffing a firecracker into a piece of meat and feeding it to a starving dog and blowing its jaw off. Like, and Stephen King cannot, he cannot seem to write a story without somebody hurting a dog. It just well, like, and why? Because it's like shorthand for like people have no empathy. It's shorthand yeah, like, for like what a little shitbag. I or guess, but what I, a psychopath. But yeah. 
sure. And that's... If, if the, the characters that he's trying to tell us these things about are in any way involved with the story so far, mm-hmm. it would still be cheap and lazy. Mm-hmm. But, like, it would at least make sense. Mm-hmm. But I, maybe I'm misremembering it. But I have read this book, and I don't know why this scene exists. I feel like... I like, really don't. I, I feel like, for him, he thinks of it as scene setting, is that there are a bunch of kids in this neighborhood, in this town, who are destined to be as sadistic and terrible as the men who like are the big coffin hunters. Yeah. You know, like they're joking around and saying, Hey, we're big coffin hunters too. And they're a bunch of kids, but they're clearly, they clearly are going to be, if they're able to just wander around cutting dogs tails off already. Yeah. Like what kind of person is this ascent is like this, something that's fun. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I yeah, I guess that makes sense, but, I mean, I am, but I don't disagree with you. Like, I'm just, yeah. I'm saying what he's like, what he is probably thinking when no, he no, does no, it. But yeah, I got you. I got you. I just don't. I, I'm like, it feels lazy at this point. Like, dude, we know you're a good writer. I know that you can do better. Isn't there another way? I yeah, that's like, the frustrating thing, really. Is it's like, dude, come on. Like, can we. Can you please turn your talent to something else that matters? I just like it's no. cheap. Yeah, it is. So uh, yeah, that so that we, was not the most awesome. <laughs> no, that was not great. Uh, so then we get Cuthbert Andalen out at the mouth of Eyebolt Canyon, mm-hmm. and they are doing something. Mm-hmm. They're taking uh little bags of gunpowder mm-hmm. that they took out of the firecracker Shimi brought them. And they're... Uh, what, Alen starts digging trenches. Yeah. Um, and they it looks like they're, they're putting this gunpowder into the trenches that they're building. Yeah, and it's like... Alen is like... Well, Cuthbert is the one who's like, you know, make sure to put it in there deep so it doesn't blow away. Um... And Len snaps at him. Yeah, they're like grousing at each other like they're wearing fucking horcruxes or something. I thought of that too. Yeah, yeah. like they're just really on edge. Yeah. Um I'm trying to find the exact page where they start. Uh well Alen says, Do you want to do it just so you can make sure it's done right? Mm-hmm. Here and, it is. Yeah. Okay. And Cuthbert, to his credit, recognizes that the Thinny is working on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and says, "No, Al, you're doing fine for someone who's bl- both blind and soft in the head. Go on." Right. <laughs> and then he uh, sprinkles gunpowder into the trench, and then says, "But if it rained, even the rolls of brush wouldn't be much protection. If it rained, so there is a possibility that this won't work out." But he's trying not to think about it. Yeah. And um, and then. What they say at the end, do you think they'll get we'll get away with it? I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing: they'll know we were here. Which is that the goal? Like, are they trying to set up a fake a fake out 
to get these dudes to think that they know what these boys are doing? Like, basically, are they trying to do something really obvious to catch these guys off their guard by having a decoy sort of uh, attack? That's all I can think, but I don't really have any information here, so. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you waited so long to say you don't know. That I was like, uh, <laughs> you, you there, buddy? Um, so, yeah, I'm interested. I want to know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're such a fucking dick. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm just like, well, I, I mean, well, let me tell you what happens in the next few chapters. Uh, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing it. You're unspoiled. <laughs> so then Susan found it almost impossible to look at Olive's smiling, unhappy face. Because the week before is all politics and meet and greets and uh, palm pressing. Press the flesh, as they say in that gross way. Um, yeah, her yeah, husband would never lie here. with Pat Delgado's daughter, but Cy Thorin didn't know that, and Susan couldn't tell her. She had only to glimpse the mayor's wife from the corner of her eye to remember what Roland had said that day on the drop. For a moment, I thought she was my mother. But that was the problem, wasn't it? Olive Thorin was nobody's mother. That was what had happened. That was what had opened the door to this horrible situation in the first place. Ugh. Poor thing. Yeah. And um, old times were shitty. What's that? Old times were shitty. Old olden times. <laughs> I remember there's a uh, there's a comic book that you, you may have heard of if Owen's talked about it or, or if you've heard anyone else talk about it, but it's called The Runaways. Mm-hmm. They're making a TV show out of it in a little bit, I guess. Um, but there's a <laughs> there's a, sto- a six-issue story that Joss Whedon did. Um like well into its uh its run and it's a story in which they go back in time to 1907 and um and they have they go back in time they have this adventure and they're about to leave again and um uh somebody says like all right everybody ready to go home and molly who's like the youngest of the runaways she goes yeah 1907 is ass. <laughs> and they're like, Molly. And she goes, oh, it so is. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true. I just like, I don't know. I, I mean, it is ass, but it's also so frustrating to feel like we have come so far in so many ways and yet we haven't. You know what I mean? Yeah, but we have. I mean, we have, though. We just haven't come far enough. It's We have in places. It's Yes. It's in places. But it can be startling sometimes how, yeah, I, like, how little things have changed for some people. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I can see that. For me, I feel like it's, like, when I think about these kind of things, like, the fact that you know, Olive couldn't give her husband children, so now she has to put up with this shit. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't think of it as though, oh, look how little has changed. I think of it in terms of, like, look how bad they were. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, it was bad before. Yeah, <laughs> it's mean, a it's very, like... like, the power structure definitely changes it all, too. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, it's like, 
You know, I mean, and we just think of shit like slavery. You know, it's like it was bad before. Mm-hmm. People had no fucking values, at least not in the sense that we understand the term. Mm-hmm. And by people, I mean, like, you know, in general, like, you know, the the political masses mm-hmm. just like really OK with so many things. And I think. Our, our progress, I suppose, has been has been that it's no, it's now thoroughly unacceptable to like agree with that shit out loud and in public. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you think about racism and you think that not so long ago, there were a whole lot of people who thought it was okay to own a black person, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, well, you know, maybe we haven't come far or maybe we've, maybe there's just a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> or both. It's, it's like when you see the um, dial, have you seen that like representing the entire duration of the U.S. being extant. And oh, it's yeah. like, you know, 85% of it. Slavery was cool. Mm-hmm. but And it's like, you know, you can say to yourself, it, it's been abolished for a hundred years. Yeah, that's not that long. Right. That's not that long, guys. And even after it was abolished, they still couldn't vote for ages. They still couldn't sit at a fucking counter. Like... Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean we are we are not as far removed from this kind of shit as we think. I I'm just really happy that we are as far removed from it as we are. Like, I'll take this progress over no progress any day of the week. I would take this progress if it didn't feel like it was imminently about to backtrack. Cause that's where I'm at, especially as a woman. That my rights have been on the chopping block ever since they were given to me. And recently with the laws that are trying to be passed about health care and especially women's health and access to birth control and abortion, everybody is just trying to get rid of that. And I'm just oh, like, dude. are we still, are we still, are we really? That's fun. Oh, it's bad. You know, it's like, real bad right now. I just, that it just, it's, like those signs. I can't believe I'm still protesting this shit. It's like, man, I know. Gee, I know. Can, we, can we not? Like, can you just mind your own fucking business? Like, that's all I ask. Really? That's what it comes down to. Mind your own business. Yeah. No, I don't want I don't want anyone to listen to this and, and take away from it that I think things are okay. You know, because mm-hmm. they're not. And they are actively getting worse. Um, But I'm just, but that's not, you know, but I can say that and still say, you know, well, at least, you know, at least it's not accepted practice for someone to cheat, for a guy to cheat on his wife because she's barren. True. You know what I mean? Like, it's the weakest possible. Right. Sure. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's the weakest possible statement of like optimism. Mm hmm. But it's still there. I don't know. It's what I think of when I think of a lot of this shit. That's all. And, you know, I I don't think we're headed quite that far back. I hope not. I don't I have don't... the same faith you do. I have a kind of dark intuition that tells me we're going to have to go back before we can go forward again. That like... oh. 
we're yeah. it's it's just inevitable that we're gonna have to do this fucking dance and i just like i just don't have the energy oh my god please but you know i'll probably die before i have to finish the dance so it's fine um just let maybe. me die maybe just let me die good god <laughs> Well, this has gotten morbid in a hurry. So now <laughs> let's talk about something more cheerful, which is Susan's conversation with Cordelia here. Oh, wait. Oh, man. That sucks. Cordelia is the grossest. She Why is. is she so awful? Okay, so first Susan goes into her dad's old study for the first time since he died. And... She's walking around really missing him. At one point, she sits in his desk chair and she's just crying because just the sound of it when she sits down reminds her of him being there. And she's crying and then she looks through the books that he has because it's a really rare thing. And there are a bunch of pages ripped out of one of the books tracking the breeding of the horses is it a bunch or is it one? I think it's I thought she said one. that there were a few. Let's see. I think it's the it? last page, but I'm not sure. Um. Oh no, the last dozen. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. The last dozen pages had been torn out. So, once she sees that, she suddenly is like, "They fucking killed him." Yep, they sure did. Like yep. she hadn't been really willing to face it, and this is just after everything that's happened, her mindset has changed in general, and then that just kind of puts the nail in the coffin. And there's such an, and there's such an obvious reason for it. Mm -hmm. So she's just realizing that they killed him and there's Aunt Cord. And she is super thin. And Susan realizes that she's lost all this weight pretty much since news of Jonas and Coral got out the last three months Mm -hmm. she says yeah um and she fucking says to her oh my god i can't it's so gross (laughs) which (laughs) have you been with cy dearborn is your crack still dewy from his spend here let me see for myself (laughs) for fuck's sake that is some nasty shit you are on, Aunt Cordelia. Good God, have some decorum. Ugh. Is your crack still dewy? You know what, lady? (laughs) Just kill yourself. Just jump on that fire. Like, you just... Anybody who says, is your crack still dewy? You're... Not you don't deserve to like be with people anymore. You're just not fit. No. Well, okay, so there's that. There's a couple more things here too. Uh first of all, when Susan's looking at her before the is your crack still dewy from his spend line. Ugh. God. I laugh every time because it's the only way I can keep from vomiting. Um <laughs> but before that she, Susan thinks to herself, who had torn those pages out? Lingle? Rhymer? She doubted it. She thought it more likely that the woman standing before her right now had done it. Perhaps right. for as little as a single piece of red gold. 
Nothing asked, nothing told, so all is well, she would have thought, popping the coin into her money box after first biting its edge to make sure it was true. And then... Uh, she's talking... Cordelia says that she should ask forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And Susan's like, no, you should actually be the one who is doing that. Thank you. Yep. And it's... and um. She let her eyes turn to the shelf of ledgers, then return to her aunt. The look of frightened calculations she saw on Cordelia Delgada's face told her all she wanted or needed to know. She hadn't been a party to her brother's murder. That Susan could not believe, but she had known something of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that totally tracks. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. And, yeah... Then Cordelia's like, you faithless bitch. And Susan says, no, I have been true. And realizes that that's accurate. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, peace, y'all. I'm out. Yeah. Basically, I never want to set eyes on you again. I'm out of here. And Cordelia's like, fine. Go. Whatever. It's just... <sighs> if I never see thy trollop's face again, I'll count my life good. Yo, I love the word trollop. My fucking English teacher in seventh grade told me it wasn't a word. I tried to use it in like a a, a paper or something. Seriously? Yeah. And he was like, that's not a word. And I just remember being like, oh, God. <laughs> oh. Okay. This is what I'm dealing with. That's hilarious. You know where I think I first heard that word? Where? Was in uh, Hocus Pocus. Oh, did she say it in that? That's awesome. Uh, he, the fucking, uh, the, the, her... Uh, Bette Midler's zombie husband. Right. After he, after he gets the stitches out of his mouth. Yep. He, call, he calls her a witch and a trollop. Witch. <laughs> trollop. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like heard it for the first Firefly time. from hell or something. I heard it from, from the first time on The Golden Girls. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> somebody calls Blanche a trollop. I think it was Dorothy. <laughs> Naturally. And, uh. I was just like, wow, what a great word, trollop. And yeah, so that was why I just absolutely 100% knew that my teacher was wrong. And I was just like, have, I, have you never seen the Golden Girls? Who are you? Wrong with you. More than anything, that was what sealed his fate in my eyes. Um, so yeah, she runs away. And then later Cordelia like puts her clothes on one of the stuffy guys and burns it. Yeah. Because Which I assume is why you thought she was going to burst into flames. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally. Come on. It's a fetish, right? No, absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, not that it's a fetish to light women on fire, guys. You know what I mean. <laughs> I um, <laughs> so that's basically all we see of Encord, right? Is her burning that and then just being like, yeah, good. And then going to bed. Um. And then we have more uh, Susan and Roland fucking, right? Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, after the olive thing, we get more. Oh wait, first uh, before that, we get this little b- scene with the pape and the sheriff. Right is is really notable only for one thing. Um. <laughs> okay. Uh-oh. Okay. So. Uh, at the very beginning of this, of section 10, it says, There was also a pony train, a cart filled with laughing children, pulled along a figure eight of narrow gauge rails. Oh, right. I forgot about this weird aside. 
Okay, and then there's this, like, these lines in parenthesis, which tell us that, you know, Roland is still telling the story, and now Eddie is asking him a question. I thought it was Jake. <laughs> Eddie says, was the pony named Charlie? And Roland says, I think not. We have a rather, we have a rather unpleasant word that sounds like that in the high speech. What word, Jake asked. The one, said the gunslinger. That means death. Because Char meant death. <laughs> I forgot about this. It's like... <laughs> Skulls, she said to herself. Skulls mean death. Skulls mean death. I still can't oh. believe that was a thing that the editor was like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. The editor was like, for fuck's sake, just publish. Publish! That's Song of Ice uh, and Fire, guys. So yeah. if you're if you're a little lost on what we're talking about there. At this point I feel like Martin could just turn in like six hundred pages of like random Used letters. Toilet on the paper. Key. It's like, okay, fine, <laughs> going to press with it. Just like can I have it before twenty twenty one? Good, let's do it. Yep. Jeez. Um anyway, that aside <laughs> just I love what I love most about this is that at no point over the course of the story, aside from the, like, chapter that's the interlude, mm -hmm. has anybody broken in like this to ask Roland questions, right? Nope. It's, Just it's for this one dumbass thing. It's the first time it's happened. And it's like, it, it's such a nonsensical question. Mm -hmm. Was the pony named Charlie? And Roland's like, no, nobody would name anybody Charlie, because char means death again right like i don't it's just it makes no sense like i'm not trying to say that i don't think stephen king is a good writer he's clearly <laughs> a good writer he's an excellent writer like don't i'm not trying to throw shade on his skill i am an amateur writer i have no stones to throw i have written things that i go back and read and i'm embarrassed even though nobody even saw them that's so how bad things. they are. So many things. But it, it it's not so much that he wrote something that's so goofy as that he doubles down on it. I he know. goes back and does it again. It was stupid the first time. Why did you feel the need? You ended not just a chapter. I think he ended like the whole part of the book with it like that it's a new section started oh god i have to look now but yes probably so it's not a thing that we're gonna forget we wish we could but we won't <laughs> so why do you have to like hammer it home one last time here to remind us like i don't know that's that's the thing that to me is unforgivable is like the doubling down on it I can forgive you writing something kind of goofy. I understand that there are times where even though everybody is disagreeing with you, you're like, no, 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 but I really like it. And, you know, when you get to be as successful as somebody like Stephen King, you get to sort of say that, that you want to keep something and they're just going to be like, I guess fine. Kind of right. like George Lucas. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not trying to say he's that bad, but you know. But, yeah, it just doesn't – it's not worth – this like i don't i don't care what develops from this i don't think it it is going to tur turn out to be worth returning to this 
<laughs> like there's just I can't I can't think of anything that is going to make me go that's why he said it again. No, I don't see it. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I'm just kind of like, yeah, all right. And like you said, it's not just that this was said again. It's that this is the only time so far other than us going completely away from the main of like the flashback to the group. This is the only aside within the flashback that we get. The only yeah. one. And that's what he felt was worthy of it? Why? So, um, so to, as a reminder, yeah, the uh, Charmant Death is the end of uh, the Town and Katet chapter in the Wastelands. Okay. Um, so it, it is the end of a chapter, but if you recall, those chapters, the chapters in that book are massive. Mm -hmm. There's only six of them. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, um, I thought that it was like kind of a big ending because we were like feeling that chapter when we talked about it. And then we got to the end of it and I was like, oh, God, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, th that's really the only thing I wanted to bring up about this because I just thought it was so fucking funny. And every time I read it, I'm just like, what is happening? Right. It's really important that you get this, guys. Char means death. I mean... All right, sure. Okay. So, <laughs> whatever. Moving on. Um, so, <laughs> he, Roland has this thing set up with her um, where. I should also, we should also probably just mention that, that Avery has some kind of task. Oh, right. You should probably just say that. I'm I'm looking at it again and it's like. And this is like an example of me not knowing what the task is, making right. me less than interested and not really remembering it. I feel like he it could it might maybe could have been a good idea for King to go into a little bit more detail than he actually does here. Yeah. Like I get that you want to keep things secret and build a suspense and everything and, and normally I think he's great at that. Like he'll say something fucking terrible, like Little did he know his head would be gone in two hours, you know, right. some shit like that. And then he's like, it'll be 17 chapters before we get there. But just thought you should know. Um, but this is an instance where I'm like, I don't I don't have enough information for there to actually be tension. I'm just kind of like, wait, what the fuck's happening? It's not a, a what the fuck's happening in a like, ooh, what are we doing? It's just kind of like, I'm a little lost. Um, But. Yeah, he's also, like, really excited. Is it DePape? Oh, no, it's Avery who's like, oh, he's got a machine gun. And I'm like, good God, what is it that they're going to fucking do here? Right. Um, so, anyway, uh, then we go to Roland and Susan. Right. And the signal here between the two of them that everything is, like, has gone to plan apparently is going to be that his guns are gone. He's putting them under like a, what is it, like a bale of hay or something? Uh. Mm -mm -mm. uh Roland showed her what he'd left in the hut's north corner sec sec secreted beneath a moldering pile of skins. Okay, that's uh, what it is. Secreted. <laughs> secreted. <laughs> secreted beneath a moldering pile of skins. Um, a pile of skins that secrete guns. Gross. Um, and yeah, so the, the deal is between the two of them that he is going to 
you know, if everything works out the way that they hope it will, he's going to have had time to come back and get his guns and then she will meet him and they will take off together. Right. And, um, you know, we already know that's not going to work out. I'm not thinking that necessarily it will be that his guns are still there because he still has them in the present. Yes. So I don't feel like he loses them. I mean, he might and then get them back or get somebody else's back. Um, although I do feel like guns are like a wand in Harry Potter where you kind of need the one that's yours or else it's not the same for you. But I don't really have anything to base that on. I just like feel that way, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. And then we have some more sex and, uh, they have some more sex and they talk some more after the sex. Right. Cause she promises to come back and get his guns and deliver them back to his father. if Shit goes wrong. Right. And then they have sex and then they're basically talking about like, she's a little bit worried that she's going to leave without her mm-hmm. and not take her with them. Mm-hmm. Um, she's kind of crying and doesn't know why I think that's, but she thinks that's the reason. Right. Um, and he says, I, I'd never leave you, but he felt cold in spite of the bear skin and the wind outside. So comforting a moment before sounded like a beast's breath. Never. I swear. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is like, he really wants to say, you know what? Let's just go. Yeah. Let's just go now. But that would fuck everybody else over. Yep. And he can't bring himself to do that. So instead he tells her, he reminds her of the plan, part of the plan. Mm-hmm. Claim indisposition at lunch the day after tomorrow. Go to your room, then leave as you did on the night we met in the graveyard. Hide up a little. Then, when it's three o'clock, ride here and look under the skins in yon corner. If my guns are gone, and they will be, I swear they will, then everything's all right. You'll ride to meet us. Uh, and you know, come to the place above the canyon, the one we told you of. And she interrupts him and just says that she's afraid. Mm-hmm. He tries to invoke Ka, and she's like, fuck that shit. Yep. Let's have sex again. Yep. Um. Yeah, the way that she says it... Um... She lay back and pushed the bearskin down to her knees, exposing a body that far greater men than Hart Thorin might have given away kingdoms for. I'm like, well, damn. I wonder who's going to play her. Yeah. I got a message on Facebook, and I'm going to check and make sure that I give this person credit. Because um, I had said that I got told by a couple people that we weren't going, like, unless you, Miles, had finished it we're not going to be able to see the, the movie. It's Jeremy Slagoth on uh, Facebook. And he sent me a voice message and was just like, so without spoiling you, the only thing that I can say is that the they're setting up the movie to almost be a sequel to the books. So it'll be full of like new stuff, but it will inadvertently spoil the original book books which is an interesting like you know i'm just like i don't know what exactly i've never heard of anybody approaching material that exists in that way um did he like does he have knowledge of it or 
he said based on what he has seen of the trail because I haven't even watched the trailers or anything, you know. Neither have I. Yeah. Um, and based on what he has read about like the production of it and the way that they're approaching it, that is what he knows. So huh. basically, it won't be I safe hadn't... for either one of us unless you yeah. finished by then. I hadn't um, heard that, but um, but I did have a feeling that it wasn't going to be safe for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna, you know, I'm 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 moving right along. I'm trying, so we'll see how we'll see how close I come. But um, by what when it comes out in July. Oh, I feel like we look this up every time we record. We, we and I do. Never I know remember. we do. No, we do. I um, I think it was though. Yeah, because it was so. It, I was shocked at how soon it was going to be. I was like, oh, yeah, July twenty eighth. Yeah. I don't know. I might be able to do it by July twenty eighth. Maybe we're not going to be there for sure. Yeah. But oh, definitely I not. Might, I might be able to go see it. Um. Anyway. So. Yeah, yeah it's, I'm it's curious about who's play her, though. if she's in this first movie. She may not even be, you know. That's true. I, are they planning more? I mean, I guess that would be the ultimate goal. Every movie wants to turn into a franchise I now. sure fucking hope so, because yeah. I really don't think I'm going to be able to get enough of Idris Elba with <laughs> As Roland. gun belts on. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. We had... Had a little bit of this conversation on Facebook the other day <laughs> when you posted that video about him becoming an MMA fighter. Yo, he guys, <laughs> guys, go find this fucking video. Apparently somebody did an entire documentary on it. It's amazing. Idris Elba decided that he was going to compete in kick, professional level kickboxing. And he goes out for his first fight and wins with a KO. It was just like totally unexpected because he was doing well in training. But, like, not that kind of well. Not the kind of well that you're just like, oh, he's he'll be fine when he steps into the ring. People were a little bit like, oh, brother, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, apparently uh, being put on the spot with a little pressure on him is the trick because that man. What's up? Okay, so next <laughs> chapter. <laughs> um. Anyway, so yeah, they have sex, and it says for the last time. Mm-hmm. For the last time, Roland loved her, and then uh, then we get the thing about Cordelia burning the uh, the stuffy gal, as she calls it. Mm-hmm. And she she also starts yelling to the Charu tree thing. Oh my god! Which what? I guess means death you tree, <laughs> right? <laughs> like <sighs> whatever. I'm just leaving that alone. Okay. Okay, so uh. back at uh the whorehouse, Stanley is um there's somebody screaming outside and he really does not want to be bothered with going to look, but he like kinda has to. And he goes out there and it is Petty. Um Right, Petty the Trotter. Yeah. And she is pointing up at the demon moon, which is, you know, already creepy as fuck, basically. Yeah. And there is a kind of, like, film over it that makes it look like blood, even though they know that it's just dirt. Like, it's dust, because the ground around here is very reddish. Um, But, yeah, it is an ill omen. And there was some talk earlier in the chapter that we did kind of skip over, because, like... 
I was just impatient about, yeah, it's fall. But he does say that, like, it normally, this, all of the, like, rituals and traditions and everything around getting ready for Reap Day are much more joyful, but there's a sort of odd quality to the feeling in the air this year that is making everybody kind of uneasy. And now nobody really can put their finger on what it is. It's just this indefinable, like, something's not quite right. You know, it's funny. I mean, to to bring this all the way around as we wrap up, um, like, I, I guess the reason I didn't care about that whole beginning thing where they laid that out mm-hmm. was because I already got that. Like, the, the Olive thing. Like, that is... That scene with Olive Thorin conveys what I feel like is kind of the, the mood in town. Okay. And I, I just, I think that was already, has already been fully conveyed. And just, just the way that King has been writing things leading up to this, I feel like that's there. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong and maybe it wouldn't be there to that degree without the, um, without the, the three pages of descriptions of traditions for Reaping Day and, and without the boys blowing off the dog's jaw, you know? I mean, it's like... But I I just... I, I get the feeling that I still would have gotten it. Maybe not as strongly. I don't know. Um. Yeah, I see. Like, I'm not sure if I entirely agree that I would have gotten it for the whole town, but I also don't think it was necessary to write it as in such a protracted way as he did to get it across either. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, so yeah, that's the end of this chapter. That's where it ended. And I was just like, well, God damn it. But yep. I expect next chapter that it is going to pop off. Um, you expect correctly. I, and it's so funny because I feel with like this chapter, Earlier today, I recorded Dark um, Dark Tower, Twin Peaks with Maggie. And I feel like in a lot of this chapter, I'm just like, yeah, I don't really know what to make of that. I don't know what this is. And that's like all I said this the whole episode for Twin Peaks. It's just like, yeah, I don't get that. What What is that? Over and over again. That is mm-hmm. a show where it's like, you know, yeah. that's that's half of what well, that show is. It's just being like, I don't I don't get it. That's Twin Peaks, though. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. But it's just kind of funny that I feel like I'm kind of doing the same thing with two shows in one day, where I'm just like, what is this? I don't know what's happening. Um, makes me kind of be like, "Is are my podcasts insufferable? Do I not <laughs> know that this is terrible for people to listen to? I'm so sorry, everybody. I don't mean to do this to you. Um. We have a new review. Would you like to hear it? I would. It's very short. It is five stars from the U.S. by the EAC. Humor, insight, weirdness. Love the in-depth analysis of the language and themes of the novels. Also love the digressions and random musings. Seriously honest and witty, but mostly posting this to request an update on the haunted pizza hut. (laughs) I cannot tell you oh, how many man. people I've told that story to since you told it to me, Miles. There's there's no update. There's there's what I did not go back. Oh, I have God. not gone back to Montgomery, Alabama to look for the haunted pizza hut. I honestly haven't. I, I cannot try to, with that story. 
try to avoid Alabama at all costs, to be honest. I just like, there is, <laughs> I can come up with no theory that even remotely begins to make sense of that story. No, neither can I. Oh my God. It's so that, crazy. Every word of that shit is true, guys. That really fucking happened to me. And <sighs> I have not, I can't, there's no sequel. <laughs> It's so weird. Have you like talked to your parents about it since you've gotten older and been like, do you guys remember this weird thing? Oh, so my so my dad wasn't there. It was my mom. I I feel like I brought it up to her at one point. Did she remember? I don't think she remembered. I really don't. Which I, I found. I thought. Was, I don't know. I don't know. I God. Maybe I. I don't know. I don't know. I can't. I don't remember if she remembered. I don't even remember if I actually brought it up with her or not. I might not have. I will, though. I'll ask her. I'll ask her if she remembers the Haunted Pizza Hut, and we'll see what she says. Because I did not make this up. I did not. I believe you. I mean, why would you make that up? Of all things that somebody (laughs) would make up, that is, like, not going to be on the list. Uh, Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, Maybe someday I'll, I'll go back. To try and find, but I mean, all literally all I know about it was that it was like somewhere off the freeway in Montgomery. Mm-hmm. So maybe someday uh, I just got in a car. I'll take a road trip and um, we'll go to to Montgomery and and all the first like Pizza Hut sign that I see <laughs> Montgomery. I'll check it out because like I have I vividly remember like how it was positioned and like what it looked like as I walked in. Mm-hmm. So unless they redecorated there, unless they're not there anymore, then I'll know when I see it. So yeah, <laughs> that's, um, that's the update guys. I, I fucking did not go back there. <laughs> well, I wouldn't because I would not, oh. I would not trust fate that I would get to walk into that place a second time and walk out again. Right. You know, like, nah, not taking yeah. that risk. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. And then we just have two new patrons this week. We have Erica Page and Mary Kate. So welcome to both of you. Thank you so much for becoming patrons. I love you. And um, if you're $5 and above, you get immediate access to the Twin Peaks episode that I was just describing being bewildered by, which I'm editing <laughs> and posting tonight. Um. And if you are $4 and below, you get immediate access to the Sherlock episode, which I'm also going to be editing and posting tonight. So win-win. If you're a patron, you just get great shit. You do. So if you are interested in becoming a patron, you can go to patreon.com backslash unspoiled and uh, join up for whatever tier you are comfortable with, whatever you think the podcast is worth, and get access to all that stuff and lots of back catalog stuff and lots of perks like a, a patrons-only Facebook group, which is quite active. Uh, just was it last night or was it? It was two nights ago that Owen and I did a live watch of the first two episodes of Iron Fist on Facebook live streaming. Oh boy! Um, just because people have asked me my opinion, but I didn't really want to cover it because I, you know, like Luke Cage kind of taught me my lesson, and uh, I also didn't really want to watch it just to watch it. The only thing that sounded worthwhile was to watch it as like performance art so we put facebook live up and watched it and commentated as we watched it and it is it isn't just that it's not great it's 
that it's boring. That's the thing that I can't forgive. This shouldn't be boring, and it is. Um, but if you are a patron, you can see that on the Facebook group because that video is still up for anybody to watch if they'd like. Um, and I think... Oh, one last thing. On Saturday, April 1st, I will be recording the book club for April, um, which is Ready Player One. And I will be recording that live on Crowdcast with Chris Tex Holcomb as my co-host. And I just finished that book today and it was fun as hell. It was a pretty quick read, mostly because you can't put it down. And it is just so nice to read a book that's like super fun after having two really bleak books right in a row. So read Ready Player One. Join us for the live on-camera recording for the book club i am considering and if though you know if there are people out there who listen to the book club and who enjoy it let me know because i have been getting so little participation in the book club and it is such an amount of time to dedicate every month that i'm considering discontinuing it and not even necessarily finishing out this year um because you know i just don't i like to conserve my energy and use it in places that are really going to give me the highest return. And um, if it doesn't seem like people are really that interested in this, it's only once a month. So I can understand it being such an infrequent show that people might not get as into it and it not having like a continuing narrative like the other shows I do. But I just thought it was a nice solution for people who tend to recommend books to me or ask me like, can you cover this one book? It can be hard to do that. So I thought this would be a good compromise, but it doesn't seem like people are listening to them continually. Like most people aren't tuning in for every episode. They're tuning in for the episodes of the books that they asked me to read or that they voted on. I mean, on. that makes sense. Yeah, it does, but it just doesn't like necessarily pan out for me in terms of giving like, you know, return on my effort. So I would be interested to hear from all of you guys what you think and um, if it's something that you would hate to see go or if it's something that you would be like, you know, not even notice that it was gone because you never really were that into it anyway. But anyway, that was the one last thing that I wanted to add. Miles, take it away. All right. Well, you can find me on the Smash Fiction podcast as well as this wonderful podcast. And uh, Smash Fiction is the show where me and some friends of mine uh, get together and have a an academic, uh, very serious debate. It's not serious. It's, uh, it's actually a very, very stupid, funny debate with lots of sex jokes. So It's very um, anti-serious. <laughs> yeah, but we do that about, uh, you know questions that everybody wants to know the answers to like who would win in fights between fictional characters or uh i don't know races between fictional characters like car races or other kinds of races <laughs> you just or said like... races and i was like whoa are we doing that no actual like foot races and car races okay <laughs> yes. gotcha gotcha just races <laughs> to go somewhere or do something oh god um anyway uh, our show, we take two fictional characters, sometimes more fictional characters, but usually two, and we have a uh, uh, a debate, uh, like I said, full of jokes and sexy things about who would win in a contest between them, and the judge uh, decides um, who wins the battle, and that is basically all you need to know about that. That is definitive. That is like that is the answer. <laughs> we provide the answer. Um, so uh, if you want the answers to these things, we just did. 
uh, Wolverine versus the Predators, as in the these three super Predators from the nice. 2010 Predators movie. And uh, we love crossovers and shit. So, like, for example, that match takes place on the planet Pandora from Avatar. Okay. So I get to make a lot of jokes about how much I hate that shitty movie. Um, but so it's that kind of show. Uh, our next episode... Uh, actually, our next episode is going to be Extraordinary League, which is the thing we do um, once a month, usually at the beginning, well, always so far, at the beginning of every month, where we play a, a, an actual play RPG um, run by one of our wonderful co-hosts, Dan Mulcairin, and we all play various characters from fiction in a in a crossover-riddled, uh, humorous, fun adventure Um Using the uh, the old '80s Marvel superhero RPG uh, role playing game system, although it has been modified. Anyway, that's coming up next. Episode 16 of that, and then the week after that, we have oh uh, Zoe from Firefly versus Starbuck from Galactica. Nice. So that's coming up uh, in a couple of weeks here, or a week in a few days, I guess. So yeah, uh, Smash Fiction. It's a great show. Um, I have rambled about it long enough. Go to iTunes, subscribe to it, review it. That'd be great. Uh, smashfiction.libson.com if you just want the feed. We're on Facebook and Tumblr. We're on Twitter at Podcast, And, uh, yeah, check it out. And then um, the other thing to check out would be my science fiction blog, which is Universes of the Mind. It's www.universesofthemind.com. It is the blog for people who love science fiction like me and also who love really wordy shit that are more essays than blog posts like me i love that stuff so um uh, i have been writing about the um winners of the hugo award for best novel in chronological order i'm currently between books in that i'm reading robert heinlein's double star right now and uh, in the meantime uh, all this week i have um, <clears throat> uh, all this week, I am writing a little bit about a fantasy series called the Shannara series, which some of you may have heard of. Um, if you haven't, you should check it out because it's really good, despite what the haters say. And there are many, many haters. <laughs> um, anyway, it's the 70th anniversary this year of the public. Or, I'm sorry, the 40th anniversary. I'm just fucking this up. You're I always right fuck there, these Mr. things up. Good. <laughs> It's the 40th anniversary of the publication of the first book in the Shannara series. The Sword of Shannara came out in 1977. So kind of in celebration of this thing and its birthday that I love. And also acknowledgement of the fact that I'm going to have to talk about the TV show adaptation of it eventually. Um, it's not great. <laughs> but the books are wonderful. And uh, you should really check them out. I have a blog post uh, up about the Shannara series right now. And they're... Well, I, by the time you read or by the time you listen to this, there should be a bunch of them out because I'm planning on doing one every day this week. So um, nice. the one that's up right now, I mean, they're already for the most part written, so it, it's easy on me. The one that's up right now is basically talking a lot of shit about J.R.R. Uh, Tolkien and uh, also anyone who doesn't like these Shannara books. So um, if you're one of these people who don't like it, no offense. I hope that you have actually read it. And formed your opinion rationally instead of just reading about what some douche nozzle said on the internet. Uh, because they are really good books and the the sheer scope and scale of them is fucking amazing. Yeah, so. listen to our douche nozzle on the internet, guys. Yes. Come on. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's it for me. That's where you can find me online right now, guys. Um. All right. Well, I guess that's it then this week. That's it. 
So we'll do the next chapter, one chapter next week, because this is going to be uh, one that we want to talk a lot about, I suspect. It's called Taking the Ball. Taking the Ball. Yep. I expect that's about the grapefruit. But I actually see. think it's about the it's about the football. You take the football and you run with it. Like you take the ball and run with it. I, like you say that and it's it's astonishing the rate at which my eyes glaze over. Like <laughs> it's just it's so immediate that I'm almost asleep. It's like a narcoleptic response. You've wow. never heard the phrase take the ball and run with it? Yeah, but like as soon as you mention football, I'm just like, oh whatever. Uh, like well. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I know, I know the phrase. It's just like, oh, I thought it was the grapefruit. That's way more fun. But <laughs> I have not seen any football so far in this book, so you're probably right. I'm sure I'm right, <laughs> but you know. Anyway, you know. guys, I love y'all. Thank you for listening. Leave reviews Bye, if you've been enjoying the show, please. And uh, shop on unspoiledpodcast.com backslash Amazon if you want to support the show, but you can't become a patron. Super Do easy. It. Do it. Also, become a patron. Become a patron. Yeah, do that too. Do both. Do it. Yeah. Toodaloo, motherfuckers. Spoiled Network Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.